Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Hello and welcome to Grilling JR. This is Paul Bromwell and I'm joined by the voice of wrestling. That's right, Mr. Jim Ross. JR, how are you? I'm good. I'm good, Paul. It's going to be a good week, busy week. We got a lot of great things on tap. We got, uh, you know, regular Wednesday night stuff as everybody saw. And, and, uh, I'm excited about that. I'm going to Canton, Ohio on uh, the latter part of the week with our owner, Tony Khan and watch Tony Vaselli get inducted into the, uh, NFL hall of fame, probably go to the game on Saturday, uh, in between doing TVs in Michigan. So it's nice when your owner has a plane and says, Hey, let's go for a ride. <laughs> That's not too bad. No, it's great. It's, it's, that's one of the perks of working for Tony. He knows I'm a football fan and, and, and I love it. And, uh, I'm proud of Tony Vaselli. He's a really a nice guy, one of the good ones. So, uh, I'm going to do a little mixing some wrestling and some football this week. Then I got an appearance on, uh, at the New Jersey state fair on, on Sunday. Okay. So that's going to be kind of fun. It'll make a little appearance. I don't do many of them. So that's this Sunday, the seventh. Yeah. For all yeah. those that are out there. New Jersey State Fair. I don't have all the details as I should, but uh, I blame that on the promoter. They should they should provide me all that information. I should have to go find it. Yeah, get their shit together. Come on, yeah. this is Jim Ross. Let's yeah, right. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I got a busy week, and it's going to be a good week. Doing everything I'm doing this week, Paul, is are things I enjoy doing. That's right. I enjoy football. I enjoy being around Tony Khan. I enjoy uh, uh, working on the air. You know, uh, I think uh, Rampage is. The ratings and rampage is starting to increase, which is good. Uh, I think the only thing that beat us last week in dynamite was the New York Mets and the Yankees, uh, subway series game. Uh, other than that, we were number two, but we were for six weeks prior to that. I think it was six weeks. We were number one in all of cable. So, uh, business is good. 
considering we have so many people on the injured list, you know, the, we got enough guys on the injured list to start another company, a uh, top guys, yeah. not just guys, just top guys. So as soon as we get everybody back healthy, it'll be a little bit easier on the, the creative process. But in the meantime, and I say this all the time, you know, you got to learn to maximize your minutes, no matter what you do in life. And, uh, I, I can see, you know, you see the uptick for jungle boy, you see the uptick for orange Cassidy, uh, you know, uh, just, there's so many that are starting to step up and understand their role and what is expected of them. You got to be better this week than you were last week. Last week is yet can't do anything about last week, but memorize what happened. So now's the time to step your game up. Uh, and you know, I, I, I'm just really proud of what a lot of these young guys are doing. And, you know, gosh, we have, we've hardly got a smell of, uh, uh, Cesaro. Oh yeah. Claudio. Claudio. Yeah. Uh, Ring of honor, world heavyweight champion. Claudio. Yeah, Yeah, man. But he's not getting overexposed. Yeah. Uh, Miro waiting on Miro to get back. I see him at TV more often than not, but I don't know what his status is physically. Uh, but he can, he can, he's a, he's a player. Another guy to been guy. Yep. So as soon as we get everybody healthy, it'll make things a little bit easier. But in the meantime, what I, th- I find intriguing and exciting is the fact that a lot of these younger guys or other guys, not just younger, but other guys are realizing they have an opportunity here to make an impact and to get noticed. So now's the time to step up, maximize your minutes and get noticed. And, uh, I, I'm very, uh, enthusiastic about what I'm seeing in that respect. Well, listen, JR, it's great, man. You talk about, you know, you're in Columbus as we record this. You're headed to uh, Columbus, Ohio this Wednesday. This podcast drops on the main feed all Thursday. You're then headed to Canton for the induction of Baselli. Then you're going to Michigan. Then yep. it's, you know, for Rampage, Battle of the Belts, then back to Canton for the Hall right. of Fame game. You're busier than what you say, a fruit merchant. So there you yeah, go. Busier than fruit merchants this week. But yep. like I said, it's all things I enjoy doing. Yeah, it's good. So none of it feels like work and I'm right on the private plane. So come on, how, 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 how sorry can I feel for how myself? Sorry, that's right. Uh, it's all, it's, life is good. So, uh, it, it's, it's going to be a real nice week for me and, and, uh, for those that I'm traveling with and, and, uh, hanging out with. So it should be, it should be a lot of fun. It's been good to be a wrestling fan lately. Jr. speaking of yeah. life is good. We talk about you and I were talking before we went on about, uh, you know, what's going on with some of the news in wrestling, whether it's, you know, Vince stepping down, retiring, Triple H stepping up, already making moves. Then you, you move through SummerSlam, you move into Ric Flair's last match, which we're just fresh off of, and all the buzz and the hoopla and Undertaker, Bret Hart, Mick Foley, DDP, uh, everyone that was there for that, man, just a couple of big days and weeks and months for wrestling right now. Yeah, it's, it's been great. This is, a, like you said, a, a really a big week. You know, I enjoyed, uh, I, I watched uh, SummerSlam on Sunday night, uh, sitting here at the house. They're, what are we going to do tonight? And, oh, yeah, SummerSlam. So I, I checked out some, I watched it from start to finish. I enjoyed it. I thought they did a great job. I enjoyed the show. And uh, hats off to uh, Triple H and, and his staff for, uh, circling the wagons as quickly as they did and coming up with an outstanding effort on, on pay-per-view their talent stepped up all the younger guys and other and other guys stepped up and uh you're, it's always encouraging to see that happen so in any event it's uh, been a good been a good week for a wrestling fan starting it for me on saturday night and sunday night with the flare thing i i watched the uh the roast 
That was on Saturday, I believe, right? And, uh, Friday uh, Friday night, I think they did the roast, yeah. Well, Friday night? Well, yeah. that's right, because Saturday was a summer, summer, summer slam. Yeah. Uh, I like the roast. I like the concept of the roast. I thought if my only critique would be maybe they had too many roasters, hmm. and it went a little heavy. Just for my taste. Now, you got to remember, too, I'm 70. I got, you know, I, I make every second count, man. So I thought it was a little, some of them got to be a little bit long for my taste. Yeah. That's all. But uh, that don't mean it was a bad show. I, like I said, I enjoyed, I'm glad I bought it and I paid retail for it and, uh, bought the whole package all weekend. So I, I was kind of fun. I enjoyed Matt Hardy's, uh, uh, panel discussion. I enjoyed, uh, Renee, uh, and, and Brian Paquette, Danielson. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Doing that with Brian. Yeah, that was, that was a really entertaining and informative. She's really, really good. She's fine. And so is he, and yeah. they both are, but she's really, really good about interviewing people. Natural. She has a skill for that. Yep. And I'm uh, happy that she's doing what she's doing. She's, she likes it and she's good at it. You like to see people in wrestling that like it and are good at it. And she fits that category very neatly. So, uh, but I enjoyed that. I just thought like I said, I thought that the, some of the roasters, which means nothing, quite frankly, but some of them, I didn't know who they were and they should have done a little bit better job of introducing themselves to give me, just tell me who you are. Yeah. Cause contrary to your inflated ego, nobody knows who you are. And most of them don't give a shit. <laughs> so, uh, and I thought some of the, some of the, I thought they got off course a little bit, uh, especially with, uh, the three women on the panel. I thought that could, that was a little. Well, it's a roast, JR. You know, you got to understand what a roast is. You're so old, you can't understand what a roast is. Yeah, I know what a fucking roast is. I also know when you, that sometimes things are better left unsaid. And uh, going the, the low road, it's not always the, the road you want to take. And I, I thought that might have been the case a time or two, just as it relates to the ladies on the panel. It, was, it had to be a little bit embarrassing for them, uh, you know. But in any event, I'm glad that Conrad had the, had the event they, and everybody pitched in. Uh, and, uh, but I just thought it might've been a little bit long. Uh, I really enjoyed what I saw, but I thought was, I saw a little too much. And I thought that they could have probably used, uh, a handful less roasters than we got. That's all. I, I do got to put over <laughs> a comedian, Tyler Morrison. I got to admit, I really wasn't familiar with him or his work going in, but buddy, when he got up there, our, I, the whole crowd lost at my row were in stitches, Tyler Morrison. If you haven't checked out the roast. Watch it. Every, a lot of the communities did a great job, but he's one that stuck out to me. But, Jay, I'm going to ask you, first question of the week. If Conrad approached you and said, JR, what do you think about the roast of Jim Ross? Would that be something you'd be up for? It'd probably be kind of boring. Oh, I don't know about that, oh, man. Yeah. yeah, it'd be kind of boring. And it'd be the same, oh, shit. Well, you know, payoffs are bad. Creative was bad. He didn't give me enough attention. I needed to be burped. I needed to be held. I needed to be hugged. I don't I need to have my diaper changed. I'd have to yeah. be, I'd have to give that some serious thought, Paul. Oh, and I, I, like I said, I just, I like, I, like, I watch roasts on TV. I, I enjoy them. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm just going from a pro former producer standpoint, you know, it, it might've been a little long. Okay. That's all I'm saying. All right. All right. And somebody's going to go in there. Ross Knox panel for being, oh, it's coming. Yeah. Yeah. I don't give a shit. They, yeah. they, they're just looking for to get some recognition and get their, their name in the paper, so to speak. 
Well, if you think you'd like to see Jim Ross, the roast of JR, yeah. put it out there on social media yeah, and tag Connie hold, in it. <laughs> don't, don't hold your breath. Starcast 6. There you go. Well, listen, then then that was the culmination. You had Jarrett, Jay Lethal. You got Conrad getting involved there, throwing the illegal, you know, the, the foreign object in. What would you think about our buddy getting involved and in, in everything that he did for this major? Track? I was a little surprised, to be honest with you. Uh, I was most excited about his wife pulling Karen Jarrett's hair. <laughs> that was awesome. It, nothing, nothing that a good old cat fight can't solve. That you know? Jezebel. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was good. And yeah. I enjoyed that. It's it spontaneous. I didn't see it coming and, uh, it was entertaining. So good job by the ladies for getting a little physical. You know, JR, you know, a week ago, a week or so ago, I recorded with the Jarrett's and Karen was on there and Jeff and I saw a little bit of that and Jerry and Karen really, really lit me up, pal. She did Jerry was, know he was on camera? He did. Is he still, is he aware now that he didn't say shit? Did he say anything? He did. He did talk, but oh, okay. they, they, it, our social media didn't really do a whole lot of clip heavy Jerry out there. Uh, he, he did a little shit talking, a little shit talking on Flair and on the Crockett's, but the biggest shit talker of them all was Karen. Yeah. JR, I'm telling you, she's a natural born heel. Yeah. And, seems like it. Oh man. So we had a lot of fun. So, so that's in the books. Rick Flair's last match is over and done with. But, buddy, here we are, me and you today, and we're going to watch a little old WCW Saturday night from August 8th, 1992, 30 years ago. Uh, and this is all about Ron Simmons, man, winning the WCW world title. And we're going to talk about everything else that was going on. We're going to see Jake Roberts arrive in WCW. Uh, you ready to do this one today? With yeah, us? I'm ready. All right. So, listen, all of you that want to do the watch along with us, Go ahead and fire up the Peacock Machine. It's Season 1 and Episode 19, WCW Saturday Night. Again, Season 1, Episode 19, JR, have it for us. I'm going to queue it up and hit play for us to watch it together. Uh, the matches that we're going to watch, the, they were taped at Atlanta's Center Stage Theater on July 27th and from the Baltimore Arena on August 7th. Uh, for this show. And we're going to get right into it, JR. It's a hot clip. They're going to show that recap of Ron Simmons. So hopefully everybody's had a chance. If not, uh, you know, too bad. We got to get started here. Season got one, work to do. We're burning daylight, kid. Let's go. That's right. So let's do it in three. And I'm going to launch this here. Three, two, one. Here we go, JR. Hit play. What a shocking turn of events we have witnessed here. As Ron Simmons fires up with those right hands, the big Van Vader manhandles the challenger into the corner. Vader with those heavy hands. Those right hands find their mark, but Simmons blocked it. Simmons comes back with the right hands of his own. Simmons hammers big Van Vader into the corner. He's got him down. He's got him down on his, on his backside. We got them in corners, So that's it. That's how it starts off. We're going to talk all about the big the big title change here. They get into the music. And you guys, when I say you, like you said, pronouns, JR, you and Cowboy Bill Watts are going to open the show. And he's going to join you for interviews uh, throughout the show. And I want to start with a question about Bill, because at this time, uh, we would regularly see him on, on TV here with you, JR. And there was a lot of criticism, or at least uh, one of them at this period in time, was that uh, he was on qu camera quite a bit. I know he was one of your mentors, Jr. What did you think of his on-air role as the authority figure? Well, he might have been a little overexposed from time to time, you know. But he was the—he's trying to establish what his brand was and what it meant. 
and what he wanted to do his philosophy. So there's a lot of information to, uh, to, to, to evaluate there. As Conrad would say, there was a lot to unpack here. So there was a lot to unpack for cowboy and, and, uh, and, and, you know, he always was never lost for words. He's booking it. He's writing it. So nobody knows the story or the, in, the intricacies of the story better than cowboy who's creating the story. So I can see where people can say, well, he's, he's on there too much, but what is too much based on what, yeah. you know, your, your, your doctor's thesis from elementary school. Uh, that's what you, that's what it made it too much for you. I don't get that. Uh, but was he overexposed? You can make an argument that he could have been overexposed. Did you enjoy working with him at this point uh, in oh, this in this capacity? It was more it was more fun back in mid south than it was here, because of the corporate nature of the beast. So uh, and Bill was trying to make so many changes and get control uh, and instill the passion and the talents that he had in mid south and the UWF uh, that he never really found the combination for uh, in WCW, in my opinion. And JR back. Uh, so you, like I said, there's uh, matches that you guys are shooting to that were already pre-taped and, uh, we're opening up a match here with Mark Canterbury against good old Dustin Rhodes. This is a quick one, but as they bring him out here, I have a few more questions because you do solo commentary for the matches and it looks like it's, they're all dubbed in later, not live. Which do you prefer? Do you like doing it post or live or what's your, what's oh, your live, yeah. live. No, nothing beats live. There's nothing that beats live. You know, the, the art form of doing it being, uh, an outstanding, uh, wrestling broadcaster is the ability, uh, to do something in, in post-production that re that closely resembles live, but nothing replaces doing going live. We had, uh, Tony Gilliam. He was the ring announcer here at center stage. Any, uh, any memories of Tony working with him? Uh, Tony, uh, was his own worst enemy at times, young, enthusiastic, talented kid, uh, from the Raleigh area. I think he kind of got hooked up through the Crockett, uh, uh, connection with the, uh, the Mernix, Elliot Mernick. Uh, I, I can't remember the other Mernick's name, uh, but there were promoters over there. And, uh, I think, uh, Tony Gillum was a kind of one of their young protégés. meaning he probably went and got diet Cokes and burgers and stuff like that for a while, but, uh, he was thought he was a uh, conscientious, he was damn sure, uh, ambitious. Let's say that. Well, uh, in the ring, like I said, we got Mark Canterbury. It's, uh, this one only goes about three minutes long, but we just saw while you were talking there, Jr. Greg Valentine and Dick Slater, they came in, they inserted a promo on Rhodes and Barry Windham. It was announced during the contest that sting would not be in Chicago or Chattanooga, Tennessee in the coming days due to the injury that he has sustained in Baltimore at the hands of Jake Roberts. But man, I tell you what I remember Canterbury from, he'd be the famous later, later on as the hog farmer, Henry, Henry Godwin. God, yeah. Henry Godwin. And, uh, I always thought he was underrated as hell. You can see that he was, when he was Henry Godwin, Mark was probably another 50 to 75 pounds bigger than he is oh, right yeah. now. Uh, but really the athletic big man, you know, my thoughts on athletic big man, they make you money if they're booked correctly. Uh, but, uh, I've always, I've always had plenty of time for Mark. He's hard worker, tough guy, big, tough, durable guy. Uh, always liked his game and, you know, he had some injury issues and other things that kind of created bumps in the road as a lot of guys do, but he's a talented dude. No doubt. We had a question come in, uh, 
also, and I thought this would be a good time to ask. It was from Brian Fuller. He said, Mr. Ross, any Dick Slater stories? Dustin and he look a little different at the age of 41, right? I mean, he's talking about, I guess, Dustin now compared to, I guess, Dick Slater was around 41 years old at this particular time when we're watching. But anything, fond memories or fun memories? Uh, of Dick oh, Slater? He's, he was, Dick, he was, I think Dickie had a perpetual concussion. He's, he was always a little cloudy, shall we say, from a lot of his uh, concussion, concussion issues. We flew from Cal on Cowboys plane one time to go down to Shreveport to do interviews. And, and Slater was the quote unquote booker, although Cowboy was the booker uh, in reality. And that match should have gone a little longer. Yeah, it's over. There was no heat, there was no comeback. It was the shits. And uh, it's sad to say, because the fundamentals were left out of the middle of the match. The heels got to get some angst and some heat uh, so the babyface has something to come back from and somebody to beat. But we, we took off from, uh, we took off from Jinx municipal airport there in Jinx, Oklahoma and Cowboys plane and, uh, Slater fell promptly asleep. And then when we, we had to turn back because of something minor and uh, Slater wasn't aware of it. So he, first thing he did was get on the phone with bill and goddamn, that was, a. and I got on the phone with bill and got my ass chewed out. Oh no. Cause Dickie didn't have a clue what was going on. Cowboy didn't know that we didn't crash or something, oh, you know, and Slater was incoherent and he was, I don't know what happened, Bill. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. It's not like John Laurinaitis a little bit. <laughs> uh, and, uh, remember him? Yeah. <laughs> That's sad. It's oh, it was bad. That was uh, good. So anyway, uh, Cowboy was a little upset that Dickie seemed to be impaired and he was the booker. So. Well, whether he was or he was not, I don't know. I didn't share with him. He didn't share with me. We did not imbibe together. We were not smoking dope on the plane. So, uh, even though that had happened, right. Just not that time. That's right. Well, listen, I, I appreciate you sharing this, but man, they got the big angle going on down right now with Nikita, Rick rude, mankind. You just flipped it. Let's listen to a little bit of the commentary. Cause we got a big surprise. <laughs> These goddamn pronouns. extended over his head. The referees are there. This is chaotic. Look at him. What strength by the stinger. Good lord. I forgot about that. That's unbelievable, Joe. Come on! 
These are the days when a DDT is used as a finish. Or a knockout blow, not a high score. It's pretty damn effective when it's used that way. It's not so effective when it's a high spot. Slapping Sting in the face. Dudo there on the far Take side of the ring, that red Roberts. shirt. He just came real close to getting kicked out two or three times. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. He was oh, really, really, oh, he was biting for the, he was going for it all, man. The guy with the red shirt and the glasses, the old guy. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. The DDTs on the chair. Sting is hurt badly. Jake had a hell of a mullet, didn't he? Snake He's something else. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, I give you exhibit A of why you have the moniker Voice of Wrestling. That was just you all by yourself. And you want to talk about excitement for, for everything that just happened, making it feel like a surprise, taking you on that journey, that emotional connection. Let's, let's listen to what you and uh, Cowboy had to say. Yeah was designed to end Sting's career. Luckily, that did not happen. We are very lucky. You know, when a guy like Sting or any other of our professional athletes are injured, we want to find out just how bad that injury is. And you take the precautions because that was a neck injury. And so you make sure that he's carried out in the proper manner to not add or aggravate or make the injury worse. And I think WCW had handled everything up to that point very well. The officials were on the scene. They were trying to restore order. But there was a wild card in the deck, something nobody could have ever anticipated. Jake the Snake. 
and his appearance. And of course, Sting is all right comparatively. All pro athletes go with pain. You, as Bobby Lane, the great Hall of Fame quarterback, said, you've got to play with pain in the NFL. In any major sport you go out, an ordinary person can take time off from their job. But an athlete goes, and Sting is back and he's going. But the sad thing is, that cost him his rematch with Big Van Vader. But there would be a championship matchup. We'll show you how that came about right after this timeout. All right, we're going to get into that next. But, man, talk about an impactful debut for Jake Roberts, Jr. I mean, first night on TV. Yeah, I mean, Cowboy know, knew how to book guys. He knew how that worked, and he knew how to maximize their minutes, as we like to say. Now, I know what I'm doing here. I'm setting something up for him to say. Yeah, here we go. Let's check it out. Made a major announcement. Well, Jim, when I came here, I said the first thing we have to do is rebuild our credibility with our fans that our fans are the most important aspect of our wrestling business because they pay their hard-earned money to come and they deserve to get what they paid for. And they had paid for a world's title bout. So with the situation that happened, I thought it was as fair as we could take it. We had seven to start with. We had ended up with eight guys that put their name in, a, in, a, in, in the bag and it was drawn randomly and it was Ron Simmons. Certainly Harley Race and Big Van Vader have an excuse. Everybody needs an excuse, don't they? When you're a world's champion, that means you're a world's champion. You've got to be ready to take on anybody and everybody, anywhere. But I'll say one thing. Baltimore, you got it because we believe that the fans are important and we gave them the title match. Fans, let's go back to Baltimore and see exactly how the drawing transpired. Ladies and gentlemen, with a very important announcement, I introduce the executive of the world's most dangerous announcer. Operations in world championship wrestling. And that's the that's the voice I remember of WCW, Gary Michael Capetta, getting that crowd going. You know, this I'm sure it'll take some time to get to the bottom of all this. I've been in this business too long to where everything just comes out on the surfaces as it originally looks. However, I want to say one thing to everybody here in Baltimore. You paid to see a world's title match. And by golly, you're going to have one. What we've done, what we've done, we've got seven top contenders. And we're going to bring them out here and we're going to have a drawing. They're going to put their names in this sack and we're going to have a drawing. This is all Bill Watts, right? Oh, yeah. We want to get all the names in the sack, and then, Gary, we're going to let you draw. And whoever you draw out of that sack is going to wrestle Big Van Vader for the world's title here tonight. But, Gary, we're going to have you make the drawing, and whoever you pick that comes out of that sack. Wait a minute. Ain't no world title matches going down around here without my name in the sack. I'm the United States champion. I am the number one contender. Without a doubt, as a U.S. champion, you're the number one contender. Put your name in here. All right, everybody, we're adding to the list. Ravishing Grizzly Smith, or Jake yes. Rogers' father, one of the Kentuckians, holding go. the sack. He got left holding the bag again to Grizz. <laughs> The All-American, Ron Simmons! So in that situation, JR, is the name just full of, of Ron Simmons' name? Or <laughs> I don't have any idea. The name? <laughs> I, I was over the, the podium. Ron, Ron Simmons, 
If you go back to the dressing room, we'll give you some time to get ready, and then you're going to wrestle Vader for the world's title. You know how long I've waited for this. If it's going down, let's get it over with. So Ron Simmons is the lucky man. He's designated to take on Big Van Vader. Billy didn't want to wait. He was ready to get it on right then. That's right. That's what every athlete should be. You don't have to wait. You don't have to make an appointment a month down the line. You don't have to go, I got to get in shape. You're supposed to be in shape. And I'll say one thing. Harley was griping, but Big Van Vader didn't back off an inch. And he pummeled and punished and made Simmons pay a tremendous price. Simmons had to wonder what he was into. He was tested to the max. And we don't have time for the whole event, but we're going to show you the closing moments. But it was a greatest victory. People in Baltimore were so excited. Our crew was excited, our camera crew, the announcers. I've never seen such an electri electrifying event. That's wrestling. That's living. That's the way it ought to be. Fans, let's go see how Ron Simmons made history. And so it will be, ladies and gentlemen, Ron Simmons with the luck of the draw. He will have the opportunity for the championship. I fear no man, and I feel no pain. Vader, with those heavy hands. Those right hands. Leon could make a punch. Just looked like he was killing the guy, and, and sometimes he did. But he was so, so believable. Best super heavyweight I ever saw. Most athletic super heavyweight I ever saw. And Ronnie Simmons didn't realize how good he could be. He had never had really an opportunity of any sort, Simmons any major singles uh, area. With all he's got here in the early going. Simmons on the line, and down goes the world's heavyweight champion. So, again. And I think the fans here, Scott, uh, Paul, excuse me, I think they were just shocked as hell. They were getting a title match, and then how it came out was certainly beyond their comprehension at that point in time. And, and all this commentary, JR, this is done in post. You weren't even there calling this one live, or were you? No, I was there calling it live. Okay, yeah. okay, I thought so. This sounds this sounds as live as live can get. So they just they, they just, just nice editing. They're yeah. hammering away at the challenger in this world's heavyweight championship matchup. Nick Patrick, the referee. That's right. His dad was uh, Joe Hamilton, the uh, one of the assassins. Gut check time for Big Ron Simmons and Vader, relentless, staying very close. Good old Harley out there on the in outside. Tight. Harley can still whip everybody's ass in the head. building. Get to the midsection. Jared, take us back to that night. I mean, we're going to watch this and we're listening to you commentate, but I'm going to turn it down a little bit because we, we know what happens here. Ron wins the belt. But I want you, as you recall now watching this, thinking back to being in Baltimore, take us back to what it was like in the locker room. And then once he won the belt, well, what was it like afterwards? And well, You see, I don't, in the locker room, Paul, I'm not in the locker room very much. I, I'm in the locker room. I go out there early and we go in the air. And so I don't know what the mo mood was in the locker room, uh, during, uh, the early part of the card. Cause I wasn't in there. Uh, but I think everybody was kind of surprised. There it is. But that happened. The power slam and the three count and the place is going crazy. Simmons has won the world title. Just look at a great anticipation of Ron's a popular guy. We all love Ron's athletic, his legitimate athletic prowess. You know, he owned Florida State University for several seasons. Uh, and he, he just had never gotten that opportunity. And uh, the one thing about Cowboy, Cowboy didn't have any issues elevating African-Americans. You know, he had an African-American booker and Ernie Ladd. He had an African-American top babyface and junkyard dog. 
So Ron becoming the champion under Cowboys, uh, uh, tutelage or his purview, uh, didn't surprise me whatsoever. I didn't know it would come that soon and nor did I know it'd be over that early. And there, of course there's uh, the dream dusty roads with the big hug coming Ron. in to endorse get the yeah. rub, yeah, the championship rub, if you will, <laughs> uh, to, uh, to Ron. So I want to share with you some notes from the observer as we continue to talk about this, you and uh, Bill Watts right now, as we're watching this are, are doing a little bit of wrap up on that. First of all, I want to ask you in your estimation, Jr. greatest moment in Ron's career. I'd say, yeah, I can't, I'm trying to think of world something champion. that was more significant yeah. uh, in his career. Uh, and I was around it quite a, quite a bit, you know, on all levels. Uh, I don't think there's anything any more significant in pro wrestling than what we just saw there for Ron Simmons. Well, uh, Dave Meltzer chimes in, has uh, some information here from the observer around this. And he said, the best thing about Simmons winning the title is that hopefully never again, never again, never again, do we have to hear this promotion do outdate race baiting hype every time an African-American gets a title shot. They did interviews in the building until about 1 a.m. after the show for airing as early as this weekend, and there were implicit instructions made not to bring up the subject of race relating to Simmons winning the title. So uh, JR just seems to be very important for them to make sure that that's not, not a part of it here, uh, according to Dave. Well, I think what we're trying to do, Paul, is just basically say that this guy is, a, is an amazing athlete. He was a three-time All-American at Florida State. As a, as a nose tackle, he finished to the top. I don't know. He was in a conversation for the Heisman trophy, for God's sakes, playing on the defensive line. That's unheard of. So all we wanted to do was to highlight the, the genuine, legitimate athletic skills of this athlete who happens to be an African-American. That's kind of the way I looked at it. And I don't think it, I didn't need somebody to prompt me not to say he's a black yeah. man. I could see that. Right. So, uh, but I, I, under, I understand why they wanted to do it. And I agree with Meltzer on that point. You know, how, how much more do you need to, why do we need to go there? Yeah. So, you know, we're patting ourselves on the back because we had the courage to, uh, anoint a black man, the world champion. Uh, that's, that's weak to me. Tony Shivani wrapping up an interview here. We'll try to catch the tail end of the, some of this here with, uh, with Ron. Stand here now and be the world's heavyweight champion. This, hey. I can't put it in words, man. This is just emotion. I am telling you, this is a dream come true. And I am very proud to be standing here representing the people as the heavyweight champion. Very sincere comments from Ron Simmons, but one thing about it, he can't rest on his laurels. The rematch has already been signed with Big Van Vader. With the intensity in the WCW, nobody can rest on their laurels. But you're right. The champion or ex-champion has a mandatory of right, Bill. God damn it. That's going to be a war <laughs> because you got Harley Race, and he will be focused, and he will be focused on Ron. So uh, Meltzer goes on here. He said, these angles were kept pretty much of a secret. While there were a few wrestlers that knew ahead of time that Simmons was winning the title and many wrestlers who knew the title was changing in Baltimore, but some needed to believe it was Sting that was going to get the belt, and everyone knew something big was going to happen, although exactly what was a well-kept secret in Baltimore, supposedly neither Vader nor Simmons knew for sure about the title change until they got to the building that night. That's true. Most of the wrestlers were shocked backstage when Roberts showed up doing the angle, even though it was generally assumed Roberts was the bad Bob on the August booking sheets. And there were some expectations that he would debut at center stage the previous Monday. 
Roberts wasn't backstage before the show began, and almost nobody even knew he was in the building or in town until he did the angle. So, uh, JR, talk to us about why the importance of keeping the boys, I guess. And because they have the big mouths, Paul. They talk. Yeah. They want to make themselves relevant by having more information than their neighbor. Hey, did you hear, brother? What's going on, brother? And brother, and brother, 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 brother. brother. It's just a, it's ego. It's insecurities. Man, I love this guy's game. When Dan Spivey became Waylon Mercy, he gained a fan for life for me. I love that characterization in WWE at the time. Uh, Danny was just, he's perfect in that role. Do you think though, it came a little bit too late for him in his career after yeah. that hard bumping in Japan? And of course. Did, yeah. He was, yeah. he was beat up. Yeah. And, and, uh, well, this dude here, he should get an answer for that haircut. <laughs> I don't know how, what do they use a bowl? I don't even I don't, know. I don't know. I said, that's that Mo Howard haircut. And then he's got the rat tail though, to finish it off. Oh, of course. Yeah. But uh, so that they have him here, Spivey, you plug the wrestling hotline. You mentioned guys like Bret Hart, Ric Flair, and Ted DiBiase will be discussed. And these are all WWF guys, yeah. uh, JR. Are, I mean, obviously trying to just drum up more hotline dollars and discuss. I guess I, I never, I, when, when Gene came to work for WCW, Gene uh, uh, made a deal to run the hotline. And he also made a deal where he would get a piece uh, and other guys got paid. Uh, I had I never got the first check on the hotline, never made a dime on it ever. And I had the hottest night Saturday and it generated more revenue than anybody else, but I never got paid for it. I'm not complaining about it. it sound like I am, but it was just a whole different system. And Gene came in and changed that. And of course they had to do it to get him hired. Man, could you imagine a red ass JR hotline? How fun that would have been back in the day and Oh God. Like you just spitting, spitting some red ass like you do here on the show. I would have, people would have paid all kinds of money per minute to hear that. Look, we got the dragon sleeper, Dan Spivey with the big win, but man, he had the look. You're right. JR, the look, the charisma, the scary eyes. I look, Danny's a good guy too, boy. He's overcome a lot. He's clean and sober. You know, he's married to Ann Russo, who was one of my assistants at the WWE for so many years. They live down here in Florida. I haven't seen Dan in a long time, but he's. He's, uh, seems to be doing well, healthy, but man, uh, they always call him the Tampa area, Dan, Dan, the left-hand man. Cause he would knock your ass smooth out in a street fight with that left hand. <sighs> so he was, uh, he had a great reputation in, the, in that, uh, Tampa St. Pete area, bad dude. Mm. I always liked Dan. Well, there we go. Promoting the, uh, the WCW fan club, uh, show now, but uh, I wonder how that's going. Yeah. <laughs> Well, hey, this is going to be a fun one because, look, two of your favorite wrestlers are in the ring, Chris Sullivan and James Motes. <laughs> I think they're about to get their ass kicked, JR, because here comes the junkyard dog and Mr. Hughes. They were calling him Big Cat at the time. Yeah, Mr. Hughes, big old Curtis. Curtis got him arrested. We talked about Curtis's wrestling school. They're based in Atlanta. At that point in time, JYD just did his most athletic move of the night. His dance on the, the apron. old dance on the apron. I don't know which one's uh, Chris Nobody Sullivan. Does. Nobody does, Jr. I guess it doesn't matter. No, it does. It does if you're James Sullivan's family. I guess it does. James Motes and Chris Sullivan, whoever the yeah. Look how big old uh, Curtis shit. is, man. He's thick. Played defensive tackle for the Kansas State Milecats. I used to tell him, and still they started beating OU's ass from time to time. Then I had to back off. 
What did you think of this character change from Mr. Hughes, turning him into the big kid? Well, I always thought Curtis had unlimited potential. Curtis just had some health issues. You know, he's, he'd fall asleep driving a car or something. He was, uh, he had sleep issues. And, uh, so he, he, he never was totally healthy. So, I but I, I, I always say I, I like Curtis. He was a respectful guy and had a good attitude. Of course, JYD just trying to figure out how he can hang on a little bit longer. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, you know, yeah, he was heavy. He's probably 25, 30 pounds heavier than he needed to be. That kick look wouldn't break an egg. He just did. Oh man. But he had those hug butts down pat, buddy. He was, well, he had great. Here's the thing. Seriously. He had great, per, a great personality. He did a, a, un, unlimited charisma. Yeah. He just couldn't execute anymore. Uh, you know, he was out of shape and he's blowing up. He's blown up right here. He's breathing through his mouth. Like he's a racehorse. Well, that tag, that's an illegal tag, by the way, if you're going to have a legal tag, both feet got to be on the apron outside the rink, but that's neither here nor there. I was going to say, I don't think anybody even pays attention to that rule anymore. Jr. Probably not. No what, do they, what do they pay attention to? Uh, was, not uh, much of anything. I don't think. No, it's, it's, and they don't, and a lot of wrestlers don't realize if you just use the rules to your own benefit, uh, you're, you're, you're going to be way ahead of the game. Use the rules. For your, your friend. Yeah. It's not anarchy rules. Oh, look, there's a nice regular tag. Hey, they're tagging in and out quick. This is like rock and roll express tagging in and out over here. These guys in the red pants. Now this guy's getting ready to get destroyed earthquake style. Holy smokes. What an elbow. Big old time elbow. And it's over, bud. That guy's that guy. We'll see you next. next so week, you guy. notice that who got the fall, the younger of the Big two. Cat. Yeah. Big cat got the, got the, uh, got the fall. That tells you all you need to really tell you about to that. Call Jim Ross. There you uh -oh. go. 99 cents a minute. Got to be 18 to talk to Jr. though. That's right. By golly. <laughs> well, Jesus. listen, during that, during that match, Jim Ross, they announced Nikita versus us champion, Rick rude. The match that was taped on August 2nd, 92 in Baltimore will be shown in its entirety on tomorrow's WCW main event program. So for all those that want to go back and pull that up on the Peacock, you can have fun and check that out. Uh, so there we go. Van Hammer, Jr. and Tracy Smothers. Yeah, good old Tracy. Uh, rest in peace, Tracy. I got yeah. to meet him down in, uh, in Huntsville for Tough a low-key low big hog weekend with Tony Schiavone a couple years ago, and he was a great storyteller and just great to meet him. Yeah, tough guy, boy. Good football player. I think he played at Carson Newman or something like that. Now this is where, uh, WCW's upper management wanted the WCW to be more WWE. Like that's the reason Van Hammer got created. Yeah. He's a sports entertainment guy. If can't, if you can't tell sports entertainers. Yeah. Yeah. He'd yeah. be in the Jericho appreciation society. And certainly a Tracy is a, uh, is a pro wrestler. Yeah. Definitely two different styles. Yeah. He passed away about what year ago. Something yeah, like yeah something like that year 18 I always like tracy yeah he i tell you what he and uh what was it what armstrong was it brad no no oh uh um hold on i'll look it up go ahead you can go ahead now well they they were part of the more underrated tag teams that, that we had and come through there in a long time uh scott scott armstrong uh-huh is that right who's the referee God, then there's more, there's a ton of Armstrong. Oh, that's Pee Wee. Uh, uh, that's, um, no, I know that's Pee Wee Anderson. Scott, Scott, Scott Armstrong's the referee. Yeah. Steve Armstrong. Yeah, I believe it's Steve. I think it is. Anyway, they're a really good team. 
and they don't get the credit that they deserved over the Steve years. Steve Armstrong and Tracy Smothers, the wide eyed yeah. Southern boys. Yeah, they were good. They were very good. They had a couple of matches on some clashes I thought were outstanding. A lot of, a lot of Armstrongs. I just saw a couple of them at Starcast this past, past weekend. Road Dog was there and Scott was there. And that's what good. What Conrad it, did a good job of staffing that, uh, that flair thing. I thought a lot of good, really talented, you know, Tom Pritchard was there putting matches yes, together was. along with other guys. And I think that's pretty cool. He, so Conrad covered his ass and that takes some effort. <laughs> oh man. I tell you what, it's a who's who's list uh, of people that were there, influencers in the business that were there. And you're right. He did it the right way, but the Armstrongs, uh, man, what a family, what a wrestling family, what a legacy yeah. they'll have uh, for a long Forever. time. Yeah, they have, they have that legacy forever. Uh, quite frankly, their dad was such a class act. Golly, what a nice man, Bob Barnstrong, the bullet. You can't cowboy. Have cowboy loved the bullet when cowboy booked Atlanta. He always knew that, that Bob would have great matches no matter who he worked with and would, and would and do this. Here's an interesting concept. He sold tickets. You, and you can't have a conversation with Arn Anderson without him talking about his love for Brad Armstrong. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. So, well, we all love just, Brad. Yeah. Brad's, how do you not, how could anybody have any heat? God damn it. Brad Armstrong is a great talent. And my name's not Jim Cornette. Uh, I, I, uh, I, I, all those guys, Brad Armstrong was, was about as good as you get. Brilliant in the ring. Yeah. Nice and shoulder he, breaker. I should be yeah, a finish. He's worth a nice shoulder breaker. Yeah. There's a, there's where you get a kick out at one. When the guy says, fuck you, I ain't going to sell your shit. So I'll kick out at one. That's exactly what happened. So that's what he did. I got to ask you, was did the WWF, did they ever show any interest whatsoever in Van Hammer in, in the later nineties? If they did, I'm not aware of it. If they did, it was not something so prominent that it jumped off the page. So I don't know, but it, it, I just don't know ever being serious if it did happen. What do you recall of him at all backstage? Anything memories of Van Hammer guys like he was too like, green. He should have yeah. been still in developmental or working indie shots or he needed another year or so, maybe more before he was ever on TV like this too quick, too soon, too green. Just, they just thought he had the look. That's it. Yeah. And he did have a good look. Yeah. But no he wasn't, he it. wasn't ready for prime time. Nice super kick there from, uh, from Smothers. I don't understand how you give Dustin Rhodes the opening match, you know, two minutes, but give this one. What does this feels like? It's 624 where it feels almost like 1624. Yeah. But they continue to battle out here and, uh, we have Randy Peewee Anderson calling the action in there. The great from Rome, guy. Georgia, Arn Anderson's hometown. That's right. His buddy drove him around. Peewee's the guy that used to carry all the uh, big bag of change quarters for the uh, concessions, the, the, the vending machines, the vending machines yeah. for JYD. I love that story. Here we go. Are we going to get the three, Jar One? Oh, we're just still doing one counts on each other. Yeah, this. This match is about uh, three minutes past its expiration date. <laughs> oh, uh, and now here we are. Well, they have nothing to do. See, Tracy's working with this guy who doesn't know how to work yet. 
So him getting a snap mare and into a very loosely applied rear chin lock is uh, not doing anybody any favors. If you ask Tracy, God bless his soul, he'd say, well, that's all the guy could do. Yeah, I just saw three kids get up. They headed out. They're going to either concessions or the bathroom. This is just just not good right now, Jr. What do you want me to do about it, Paul? Rebook I don't know. It? He's starting to Hogan up, though. And and that the wind's just taken out of the sails. But, I mean, that this is the problem. It, not a problem, but if you think about it, back in the day, so much talent on this roster in this era. We're going to see more of it here soon. And uh, But then you'd have a match like this right in the middle of all of it and just kind of take the, the, the wind. The match should have been shorter, and Tracy should have been stronger, and Tracy should have gone over. I don't know who goes over here. I'm assuming it's going to be Van Hammer. Yeah, Van Hammer pins him with a slingshot suplex. So once we finally get to that move, then we can all celebrate. And, Weak uh, ass leg drop. I'll ask. Let's ask some Ron Simmons questions while this is still going because we did get a few questions that came in from some of our listeners. Yambag Jones, here comes the slingshot. Says Jr. Minus the dumbass gladiator helmet Vince made him wear. What do you think was the number one reason we never saw Ron reach the heavyweight title pinnacle again? Gosh, that's hard to say. Vince maybe didn't have the confidence in him to carry the banner. I don't know. Somebody's waiting on me to say because he was black. That's not true. Uh, I don't know. You got to have confidence from the top. And, you know, even though Ron was reliable and, uh, and tougher than hell and a, and a good dude, I don't think Vince had full confidence in him to carry the load in that role. Why is that? I don't know. You have to ask Vince. And he's got plenty of time for Q&As right now. Well, there you go. Uh, we got our next matchup up, and we're going to jump into some more questions once we talk about this one a little bit. It's Greg Valentine and Dirty Dick Slater, and uh, they're taking on the, the Italian Stallion and Ian Weston. This match is going to go eight minutes and 17 seconds, JR, when Weston submits to Valentine's figure four, um, and then we're going to also have some promos and things of that nature. But what did you think overall of Valentine and Slater as a veteran pairing? Uh, Could have been good. Uh, you know, they're, they're the kind of team that, uh, are, make good heel champions, I think, uh, uh, and they could certainly uplift a young baby face team, which these two guys they're working with here aren't, this is strictly here for Slater and, and, uh, uh, and hammer to get TV exposure and to win. It's funny. Sometimes uh, if you notice Slater, he channels in and out Terry funk. Yes. Let's listen to this promo if I can uh, get the volume going here. Bad twitch. Well, I'm not why you got a bad twitch because you have to wrestle Greg Valentine and Dick Slater. But tomorrow night, you don't have to worry about it because I'm going to be wrestling you in the main event. There won't be no tag matches after that. After I'm done with you, I'm going to see him twitch a little bit. A very uh, sadistic individual. Tough. Uh, there we go. Okay, Slater. So... A little bit of a promo there, and uh, let's. I'm gonna go keep moving on with some questions here as we watch this match. Time let's have them. Let's go. Yeah, getting 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 smacked around here. We got all another. right. Well, question number one is. Go ahead. Matt, you're not. You're up next. Let's go. <laughs> Matt Sandrovasi's up next. Jr. There are all these stories of Ming being a tough guy and a guy you don't want to mess with. Ron yeah. Simmons is also one of those guys. Can you give us an example of stories of just how tough Ron was or any examples of someone with a little too much liquid courage to try to step up to Ron? So what's, what's this guy's name? Matt Sangervasi. Matt wants dirt. 
Give us the Matt dirt. needs dirt. Maddie needs dirt, Polly. <laughs> I need dirt. So did anybody ever get drunk on a try? They were that they know I could get. You can't get that drunk. Okay. You can't get so drunk. You're willing to take on Ming in any environment. If you are, you need to go to the hospital, but you're getting ready to be, uh, checked in for alcohol poisoning. Uh, Simmons, nobody screwed with Ron Simmons. And, and that was twofold. One, he wasn't to be trifled with. And secondly, uh, he was an honorable guy that the talents respected. So, uh, but no, I don't know. I don't know anybody were trying him, you know, uh, he, he stepped right up. So he was not going to, he, Ron had no fear. He was fearless, which means you have no fear. You're fearless. That's very good. One thing I didn't do to screw that up was use a pronoun. So, uh, but no, he was Ron's easy to get along with as, as a rule. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I never had a crossword with him in all the years we've known each other. So it's just a matter of, you know, why Vince did this. Why did Vince do that? I don't know. Hell, how do I know? And what kind of stupid fucking question is that anyone? <laughs> Seriously. So how would I know what Vince thinks about, well, why didn't Ron get the push? Well, they had to maybe wear that helmet. That helmet killed his career. No, it didn't kill his career. He went to the hall of fame and made a lot of money. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, it's this stupid. Uh, it's embarrassing sometimes. And we read uh, these questions on the air. We <laughs> give them airtime. <laughs> this is part of the interaction piece. Oh, got, that's it. The interaction. Uh, my ass. Uh, <laughs> We're just filling time. Well, no, this is, this is, Hey, here we go. Matt has a follow-up question. Being Cowboys right-hand man, can you give yeah. us your version of the contract story of Jake the Snake? So do you remember that conversation back in the day? No, but I, I don't. Uh, Cowboy did all that. I didn't do it. And uh, that was his job. He, he set the price in and negotiated with the talents, as he should have. Because they have to know who they're working for and, and give that man or woman all the respect that they can, they can muster. So, you know, I don't know. I'm sure that Jake didn't get what he thought he deserved. He never would. He never did. He never has. He never was going to, but he fits in, in the line of about 90% of the other talents in his line of work. None of them get paid what they, they believe that they're worth. So, uh, so I don't know. I, I don't know what is, uh, I don't know what he got, but, but I'm sure he got top money, but it wasn't top money in like today's, uh, marketplace. But it still was damn good money, no doubt about six figures, mid six figures. I'm guessing he might make two or three hundred grand uh, on on the downside, something like that. I'm just guessing. I don't know. Thank God I didn't have to do that. I was prepared to do that job, and I then I ended up doing that job after that for a long time and working for Vince. Yeah. Uh, but you know, so but I learned from Cowboy. I, I understood that. But no talent is ever paid. They never come back to you and say, "Look, oh man, you." You're just paying me too much. I can't take it. It's too much. It's killing my tax man. He's having, he's wearing out pencils and all this stuff. It's just not right. It's just killing him. Too many cars. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. So, oh, so I don't know. I don't know what Jake, but I'm sure, I'm sure you got top money, but I'm also sure if you ask Jake this very day, you get him on the phone, he'll tell you, well, I got low ball. I thought I'd do better. That's the, they all think that. Nobody's ever been overpaid that I can ever recall in one time in almost over 40 years uh, of being around this crazy shit. 
All right, Jay, are you ready for more fan questions? Because I oh, yeah. love them. All right, because okay. it's either that or talk about Italian Stallion who's just rolling around the ring and can't barely breathe. All right, so we'll go more questions. Here we go. Bobby KF5 GTX says, JR, why didn't every superstar have entrance music? Yeah, that's a stimulating question. I'll have had a week to work on that answer. <laughs> Do you need because if they're not, they don't have something planned for them. Uh, if they're, it wasn't they, a Bill it, Watts decision or anything. We can make a decision if we want to. Like he so just can, wanted the superstars to have the music, but the rest didn't. It wasn't something like that. I'm trying to help this guy out a little bit here. What guy? This guy in the green, the those guy tights. That, the guy that asked the question. Oh, uh, well, it, it, it's a production element generally reserved for top hands. And so because you're getting your music played and you still lose in eight minutes and 40 seconds, still doesn't make you a star. So I, I'm just saying I, I'm, uh, you know, if it matters, if you, if they, if you don't have any, they don't have any plans for you, you know, that pretty quick, especially if you are, you don't have any interest music, it's just needle drop and generic. That's yeah. Maybe you need to work hard on not becoming generic. Maybe you need to work hard on changing the perception of the decision makers. That might be an idea. Maybe you go out there and bust your ass and get real good at something you do. Yeah. And then they'll give you music and pyro and all other good stuff. Earn your music, earn your pyro. Well, why not? There you go. I like it. JR Jeff Stewart's up next as we watch uh, the hammer work on the back of this poor kid. He's just getting worked over. Did you think WCW would get any mainstream media coverage from from Ron Simmons winning the belt? I don't re remember any. Did the company? Well, they would have if the they would have if the uh, the old school WCW PR machine was on on their game. It's a it's a it's a story that writes itself. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And it, it uh, was less than heartening to see uh, what didn't happen. It should have been, it should have been a layup. And it just, it just, I think, I think in the Atlanta area, uh, Omni business, things like that, it, it did, it did, uh, got some good PR and locally, but it should have been, you know, considering that, the that, that CNN and headline news and all that stuff was based there in the same building we were, you'd think we'd get a smell, but then I don't think that happened. JR, uh, Al Stanford's up next as the match continues on here. He said, why do you think Ron Simmons never received on-air acknowledgement from WWE about being a former world, world champion? Because they had that helmet they wanted to wear. It's all about the helmet. It's all about the helmet. Right. And he had entrance music. He did. Everything was, everything was coming together perfectly. It's a perfect storm. A helmet, gladiator, music. My God. What a concept. And these guys finally... Finally, thank you, Jesus. The match is over, and uh, they got the win here. Greg Valentine. When did when did Vince until uh, through until this week? WWE hasn't acknowledged anybody doing anything. Good, a handsome young man. Comments made earlier this week with Jesse the Body Ventura and Jake the Snake Roberts. Why did Jake the Snake Roberts return to WCW? More importantly, why did he assault the stinger? Perhaps Jesse the Body Ventura could get to the bottom of this situation. This is a very, very unique conversation. Listen very closely. You know, everybody thinks and everybody knows that Jesse the Body Ventura is slightly partial towards reptiles. 
And we all know that the holiday season generally comes in the winter time. But not so for Jesse the Body this time. The holiday has arrived in the middle of the red hot summer. And the holiday to me is the arrival of one of my favorite reptiles, Jake the Snake Roberts. Words, Jesse. You know, I'm getting a lot of flack. Everybody wants to point a finger and say, why could you do that? How did you do that? Why did you do that? Why did you get Cactus Jack involved? What well, a moment. Nobody Lovely. points a finger at the brave hunter that God goes out and sits on a deer stand, drops a little salt around the tree. Then when the dumb deer comes prancing up there, he, he points that gun right down there and blows his brains out. Nobody points a finger at him. And that's all I've done. I baited a hook so the fish would chew, and that's exactly what he did. He looked good, though, didn't he? He came down there and just kicked up on everybody. Going to be a star. Here's what's cool. Something. There's no the reason I did this is because when There's I was no brought writers. into this world, there were people standing over me. These guys are like creating content the on the fly and telling them and both these that cats they can get a shot at life. At. All they got to do is say their prayers, eat their vitamins, and train and be a good little boy. Well, that man that stood over me was my father. Thanks a lot, Dad. You didn't tell the kids you got to fight for every bit of it, did you? You want to stand there and let them follow you down this little garden path, man, to where? Tell the kids in L.A. it's a free world. It's easy. Tell the kids in the ghettos it's easy, Sting. It's your cross to bear. When I hung that cross over you, Sting, I'm telling you it's yours to bear. You walk with it a while. I'm tired. I'm tired of standing up trying to do the right thing because there is no right thing. The right thing to do in life, and you well know it, is survival. And run for governor. You know what I loved about it? I love the tears. I love the crying of all the little stingers out there. They're crying and they're complaining because Jake the Snake has arrived. And Sting, you felt the brunt of it. And I don't think, Sting, you're ever going to survive from this one because you've never met a reptile like this man. I will do anything and everything. Expect the unexpected from the snake. Why do I wear this glove? For my own protection. These days, you need protection, man. Whether it's a gun in a pocket or whatever it takes, you got to be protected at all times. Sting, you just had a little taste, and believe me, brother, I've got a thirst that cannot be quenched and a hunger that will not be satisfied. I am going to make your life one living hell. I hope you're watching out there, Sting, because the message is crystal clear to you, and it's coming down in the form of a snake. Wow, what a, what a promo. Good interview. And like I said, both those guys, they just, they're extemporaneous speakers of you know, and they're both very talented. Now we're back to the formulaic, uh, no music, Pyro. We got Barbarian coming out. And no hope to win against the Barbarian. This guy's getting another jobber match here. But I want to talk a little bit about this because Jake did mention his dad in the promo. He just said, my father, which we all, who we all know, you mentioned, we saw him earlier, Grizzly Smith. Yeah. And then he's going to make Sting's life a living hell. But man, at this time too, we we know now Jake's back history, the hell of being Grizzly's son and his upbringing and how it contributed to the drug and alcohol use. And at this time, he's putting everything in his body that he can, Jr. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just an interesting period of time as we reflect back where he's at in life at this point in his career. Um, he's he's the most sinister point of his of his character. He now has gone to the Black Cobra uh, at this point as well. And uh, it's just real life coming into the storytelling there a little bit. Yeah. He's a great, great character. 
And, and Jake did a, a hell of a job. He developed his own television personality, he his did. own persona. He was, uh, and then, and then you had Jesse out there talking to him as we see barbarian, just destroying this guy. He was only doing weekly commentary for the worldwide shows. Uh, was his asking price JR, do you know, was it too high to do more shows such as what we're watching right now? You know, it might've been, it might've been, uh, I know the worldwide show was a high priority, uh, because they needed to make an impact in syndication. And I think everybody's uh, take on that was that, uh, you know, Jesse with his name identity and his uh, high level of skill would help that, uh, that, that syndicated product. And then he came, I think he, then he did, he and I did some clashes together. Yes. Uh, but, but he was, he was the highest paid announcer at that time in the business. As far as we, as far as we know, my, according to my, the dirt. I want to talk a little bit about the business and, uh, we had some notes, more notes from the observer and it said from the WCW perspective as a month, July was an absolute disaster. If you remember the state, the company was in last year, that's saying something July 91 was when Ric Flair was fired, making it the first time in NWA WCW history that the champion didn't lose his belt in the ring. During the first week of July, the early part of the much ballyhooed Great American Bash Tour, which was before fans at the arenas knew Flair wasn't going to appear at the shows, WCW averaged a whopping 3,490 paid attendance per event, a figure perilously close to the WWF's current average. For the remainder of the month and what turned into a disastrous Bash Tour, the average was decimated down to a scant 1,305 people. Yeah, that's horrible. Because of the high first week, the overall average for the month was slightly above this year's average attendance. Now, when you throw in the lower ticket prices of 92, you have average gates dropping a substantial 29% from 1991. And that's with warning fewer shows in the middle of the week that traditionally hurts the average. However, in comparison with June, there's been an increase in attendance and average gates. So again, the overall trend seems to be that business bottomed out in May and June and slowly started to rebound in July. Television ratings aren't quite as low as June when they bottomed out but are still struggling. Where the word disaster comes is in the Great American Bash pay-per-view show. While the 91 Bash is long remembered as being one of the worst shows of all time, it's the 92 Bash that hit the skids as far as viewer apathy. The buy rate was cut more than half from last year much of which can be attributed to having so many pay-per-view so shows in such a short amount of time. But much of the blame also has to be pointed at the company itself for doing such a poor job of promoting the show, including nearly ignoring the show on television the weekend before the event in order to prom promote an Omni show instead. What say you, Jim? Is this uh, a, a, one of the lowest points for WCW? Oh, I think so. Like you just outlined it. You made a case for that point. It, it just was horrible. We had nobody over, over. We had nobody that people could not wait to buy a ticket to go see. And is that simple to me? It just nobody was hot. Nobody was hot. Well, uh, as you, uh, we talk about that there, Barbarian gets the win here with the big boot. Barbarian, man, he just, uh, he never really made it to the big time as a single star. Well, it's called charisma connecting with the audience. You know, he was a, what a sweetheart of a guy. Thank God. Cause he wasn't who the hell's going to handle him except maybe <laughs> Ming, And that's, that's, that's a uh, arguable, 
Oh, let's check this out. You, Doc, Terry, and Paul Heyman. My goodness. Williams and Terry Bam Bam Gordy, along with Paul E. Dangerously of the Dangerous Alliance. Last week, we heard of a business arrangement that you two gentlemen have struck with Paul E. Dangerously. What's going on, Bam Bam? Well, Jim, I think Paul E. and the rest of the world knows just what Dr. Death, Steve Williams, Terry Bam Bam Gordy has done. We have did something no other tag team has ever done when we combine these two titles right here together. Right, Doc? That's right. And let me tell you one thing, Paulie, let's get it straight. By the time we come back from Japan, we don't even want the stars to even be around. So what's the deal, Paul? What the deal is is exactly this. You see, Doc and Gordy have had no competition here in America. They are the world tag team champions, and the only team that's been a thorn in their side have been the Steiner brothers. The Steiner brothers who stole the world tag team titles from Bob Eaton and Arn Anderson, and we never got our rematch because they lost the titles to Doc and Gordy. So we'd love to bust the Steiner's face just like that for the hell of it, but oh no, I'll tell you what we're going to do, Steiner brothers. We're going to take the many, many yen that Doc and Gordy have offered to Bob Eaton and Arn Anderson and we're going to bust your faces and eliminate you from WCW so that you can never, ever challenge them again for all the yen in the world. And one other thing, if you doubt us, Steiner Brothers, what Bobby Eaton and Arn Anderson are capable of, you watch this next match, and I promise you one thing, Doc, and I promise you one thing, Bam Bam, you will not be disappointed. But as for you, Pillman, and as for you, Zabisco, and you, Steiners, you better pay very, very close attention. And now, ladies and gentlemen, let's go to the ring. Ladies and gentlemen. Mm, good stuff from all guys involved on that one, JR. Always love to hear a little Paul Lee. Yeah, he's uh he's brilliant then, he's brilliant now. You know, he took a big bump on that summer Sam I thought was uh surprising. <laughs> and he apparently has survived it. He did. It gotta love seeing him go through the table. And man, there's our guy right here from the Ad Free Shows Network. That's right, the enforcer, Arn Anderson. And one of his best friends of all time, beautiful Bobby Eaton. Man, talk about the talent that we've just seen in the last two minutes between. Well, well, we, we didn't have a shortage of talent, Paul. We didn't I have know. a shortage of bodies. We had a shortage of talent that were over. And that was the deal. And it just, it takes time to, to reset your board and uh, to reset your locker room and, and to get everything together. And, you know, that's kind of where we were right here, just trying to evolve and get to a spot where. Something catches on fire. Something that we didn't expect uh, jumped out at, out at us, and and there we go. Oh, hi, Larry. You know how they run the Bruno one time. <laughs> There's Brian Pillman. We got hey, his Brian. kid looked good. Yeah. Uh, where did I see him last? Was he at the Flair thing? He was at the Flair show. Yeah, he. I thought he did a nice job of yeah. Brian Junior. He did. He looked good. I, I sure pulled up that kid. There's nobody wants to be a star like. Uh, uh, like Brian's son, he wants to, he's really hungry so and he's getting bigger and thicker and he's working out hard. And I, you know, I got a lot of time for that kid. And there's Larry. Hi, Larry. Hi, Jr. We, uh, we oh, got, I work with Bruno and Shay got fucked in my payoff. Heyman pulling off his best, uh, Michael Keaton impersonation. Ah, that's a good call there. You got Heyman in the corner, the Dangerous Alliance members, Arn and uh, and Bobby Eaton, and they're taking on the the duo of Pillman and Zabisco. And uh, your referee once again, Randy Pee Wee Anderson, longtime uh, buddy of Arn. Uh, so this is going to be a good one. I hope so because it's a twenty one minute match. Jr., are you ready for this? Buckle up uh, because we're going to watch a a nice long match here with these four again talented well, guys. Well, if any guys, if any four guys. 
create a tag team match that are any more talented than these dudes. Yeah. There's no reason that they can't have a good match. There's no reason they shouldn't have a good match. Yeah, well, I, I hear it all the time on, uh, uh, you know, various shows, I, I'm a big fan of busted open and all those guys, they talk about, uh, Bubba Ray, especially talks about our bully Ray, whatever, whatever. Uh, he always be Bubba to me, I think, but how much uh, he admires Bobby Eaton and a lot of guys share those sentiments. Bobby was, there's nobody hardly, I don't know. I don't think I ever saw anybody more fundamentally sound than Bobby Eaton. As far as a heel average size guy. Storytelling son of a gun. He, uh, bully was again there this weekend, but you know, who was also there? Dennis Condry. Uh, oh, that's cool. Starcast. How about that? He was a good hand too. Mm. Lover Dennis boy, was Dennis. A, Dennis was a good guy. And, you know, I met Dennis first time in the mid South when he came in with Cornette and Bobby. That's a, that's a team that Cowboy just put together. There were guys that weren't being booked and utilized in Memphis. So Cowboy went to meet with Jerry Jarrett, uh, Watts brought in rock and roll. I think we did better in that trade than, than Memphis did. I, I, I think I might be wrong, but I think we did. Absolutely. I uh, got a booker out of it and Bill Dundee who did an outstanding job. And of course he'll get knocked because well, all he did was repeat what he'd done in Memphis. So what you think that's it new? It worked. Why reinvent the will if you can get it over? And again, it's regional. It's new material for a lot of people. That's right. New content. Jay, uh, Jay wrote in a question as we watched the match here. He said, JR, why do you think WCW failed to capitalize on this moment? Uh, and this is, I think, again, talking more about the Ron Simmons deal in terms of marketing. And what was Vader's mindset about doing the J-O-B job? Well, uh, that's the difference in having Cowboys as the boss and somebody else is less, uh, convinced it's the right thing to do. I don't know that Leon had a hell of a lot to say to Cowboy about the decision that was Cowboy was making. It was the right thing to do. Leon could see that it wasn't personal. That's what guys got to understand sometimes because you're putting somebody over. It should be flattering that you're selected to, to do these honors, as they say in Calgary. So, uh, you know, I, I don't, we're just trying to get guys all in a position to mean something. And there's a lot of ways to skin the cat. There's a lot of ways to look at this scenario and there's more than one right way to get it done. I said that many times in this very broadcast, this very, very show. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned it too. You, his first question, do you think they failed to capitalize on the moment in terms of marketing? Yeah, yeah of course. There, I said it earlier. Lot, yeah, I, I think, mean, I, I, think I answered, I think I answered that earlier. Yeah. And, and to your point, like you said earlier, there was a, a lot going on here. We already talked about the, the shift in, and, and just what was going on in terms of the house numbers were down. You even said, Hey, we're trying to establish a star and, and superstars at the time. So yeah, there's a lot that needs to be worked on. It's been well-established here and that's what Bill Watts is trying to accomplish with this roster. Um, and that's just the period that WCW was in at this point. Yeah. I refuse to, uh, believe that we didn't have the talent to turn this thing around, but what we needed that we didn't have a lot of apparently was time Yeah, and patience. And, uh, and a lot of guys just still wanted to have the same match time after time. That was a good shot by Bobby, a little shot in the back. The lower back, smart, 
referee couldn't have seen it. He cheated, but he didn't get busted. He's a heel. That's exactly what he was supposed they, to do when the ref they cheat to gain an unfair advantage. That's what heels do. Mm -hmm. And then when they're caught, they're handing a cookie jar. They deny, 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 deny. Well, Brian was when Brian was not hurt. He was healthy. He was such an athletic, uh, natural. All the skills, and uh, this is the the Bengal the Bengals tights era. Brian Pillman, man, flying Brian. He was just a phenomenal athlete. He had all of it. You've talked about his his college football background on several occasions, mm -hmm. but man, he could do it all. Yeah, he could, and he 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 got great training there in the in the Hart family dungeon and working in Calgary. That's how I found him. He was a, a Calgary guy, and I think Kim Wood, who was a strength uh, conditioning coaches for Cincinnati forever, a uh, huge wrestling fan, uh, got a hold of me in Atlanta and, uh, got me tape and pictures and all the necessary things for Brian. He also, I think same time we're exchanging messages for, uh, with, uh, mock and Singh, who was Mike Shaw, who came Norman, the lunatic, one of the most miserably <laughs> failed gimmicks ever. And that's a sad thing about it because if we had just left uh, mock and sing alone and let him work the gimmick that he had perfected over the years. Uh, we would have had a lot better deal than Norman, the lunatic. Yeah. See, I don't remember that first gimmick that you're talking about. I only knew him as Norman, the lunatic. So, well, mock and sing was his gimmick in, in Calgary. Okay. Yeah. I, I wasn't, I didn't, wasn't exposed to Calgary back in, back in those days as a kid. <clears throat> But I tell you what, who I was, what I was exposed to was this classic tag team wrestling that Bobby Eaton is putting on a clinic in the ring, stretching out Brian Pillman right now. Mm -hmm. And 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 to be, furthermore, we could say they're they're doing it all in a very friendly part of the ring as far as Bobby and Arn are concerned. Cutting off that ring, baby. Cut off the ring, working your half the ring, making it a handicap match. As we watch uh, this final move, we had one final question uh, this week that came in. I'll get to you, JR, as we're watching this. Michael Gavin Ali, a.k.a. Badman, says, Did Ron Simmons becoming the first black champion from 1992 change the business for good, or was there still a long way to go? Well, I think it's the same thing in any racial uh, scenario. How could, if, especially if, you're a, of a, or if you are a minority, you're going to say, we still got a long way to go in today's society. We have a long way to go. So back then we knew we had a long way to go. Ron Simmons was first, was a, a step that came late, well past due. Uh, he, he, you know, of, of African-American certainly deserved to be the, the top guy and, and should have been the top guy long, long before that. So, you know, I, I, I just believe that, uh, Again, like in today's society, race relations, we have a long way to go and, and hopefully we'll all live long enough to see better days as it relates to how, uh, minorities are, are treated and represented. Yeah. Uh, the diversity in wrestling is just, it's, it's amazing. Gotten so much better. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, uh, you, you arguably the best match of the night at SummerSlam was two women. Let's start the show off. I'll, I can, I'll make an argument for that. That was that, a fantastic opener. 
Yeah. So it was. And so that, that, that's a massive change, you know, and that started, and I think that goes all the way back to Trish and Lita, by the way, I saw Trish she looked beautiful and was so engaging to the fans at the, uh, national wrestling hall of fame up there in uh, Waterloo, Iowa, a week or so ago. I was very happy to be involved in that. Very honored. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit as we watch. Well, I received the Gordon Soli award, which is, uh, nobody deserves the Gordon Soli award, but Gordon Soli, but I was honored to be there to That's participate. I got the, I, I got the Luthes award, I think in 2011, which is the highest award that they offer. And that's what Trish won this year. She's the first woman mm. to be given the Luthes award. And so, uh, I, I was real proud of her, but it's a great organization. They have a great hall of fame. They got a great, uh, all kinds of great memorabilia. This terrific. It's sit there and go to Waterloo. Great hosts or what you're just, you've made to feel like family. So anybody that's ever considering going to something like that, uh, mark that, that on your calendar, yeah. Waterloo, Iowa, and, uh, you'll, you'll never go to a friendlier, cooler event as a fan than this one. It's, it's really cool. So she's recognized there at that event, but to your point, her and Lita really were trailblazers in terms of raising the bar for some of the stuff that we're seeing now. And as you mentioned, SummerSlam kicks off great. Now, unfortunately, it sounds like. Becky Lynch has uh, has an injury that came out of it, but then we saw some fun angles that, that came right out of that. But it's an exciting time to uh, to see how uh, man dynamic and and women's wrestling is right now, and and, and the diversity that, that, as you said. That's great. I'm, I'm excited about it. Yeah, and you know, uh, and I'm happy that I got to sign the two women that hit, that broke that mold that made their way to the main event at Monday Night Raw back in the day. And that was back in the day where a lot of guys are pissed off because it's the same mindset that, that rest male wrestlers had, uh, back in the early days, uh, when the women or when Moolah booked the women and they come in, you know, two, three times a year to your territory. And it, it pissed all the men in the locker room off because their buddies were, were unbooked that week and they weren't making any money if they weren't, weren't booked. And so the women got all the heat. That's why they had to dress in closets and janitor's closets and uh, just treated, treated like crap. Mm. Uh, and I, I always, always look forward to the day that would change and it, it has changed. So now you, what you've got is you got women that wrestle like men and you got some men that lock up like women. Figure that out. JR, as I, as I sit here and we continue to watch this together and I saw Arn Anderson doing his thing before he came out, one of the things we haven't even talked about yet, and we've mentioned Starcast, Ric Flair and all this. Buddy, the four horsemen reunited all on stage for an amazing stage show. If you haven't got it, you can still order it on Fight TV, by the way, and watch all this stuff. Right. But Arn, Tully, Luger, Wyndham, JJ, Rick, all of them on stage for well over an hour and a half, telling stories, reminiscing. It was so awesome to see them all together. Yeah, I miss that, but I, I, I'll try to go back and catch it because all those, some of my favorite guys, no doubt. Conrad had a custom Jim Crockett promotions backdrop. The stage that you, that you spoke, you used to uh, speak in front of at 605 on Saturday night, done full woodwork built to the hilt for them to do all their pictures and staged and constructed. It was just so impressive. So yes, uh, I'm shilling for this event because these are opportunities as fans. If you're truly a fan of that era of wrestling, 
You have to take advantage of the opportunity to see. You're not going to see guys like this all together at this. Well, it's impossible. Time. Yeah, because we have the thing called our mortality rate. That's absolutely right. We're not all going to be here forever. So when you get a chance to see somebody in an environment like that, or go back and watch it uh, on on demand or whatever, yeah, then do it. Uh, enjoy it because it's, they're not. It's not going. These guys are are like the rest of us and getting up there in age. We're not going to be around forever. And I don't like to, I'm not a, you know, negative guy, but, uh, the reality of it is, is that we're just not going to be around forever. So getting an opportunity to see these guys while they're still able to put sentences together and have some fun, uh, is an opportunity you should grab. The, uh, as I see Arn working over the arm, he was uh, again around this weekend and just to be able to see his son Brock work too, man, he's spitting image of his daddy. I'm telling you. Yeah. He's going to be a good hand. He's a real nice kid too. Very polite. Very, uh, he's broken the business correctly. Respectful. So I, I got a lot of, I got a lot of time for that from Arn and his family in general, but him and that son of his, the son follows his dad around, yeah. which is smart. He listens, which is even more smart. Keeps his mouth shut and listens. And, but someday he's going to be a great ring general is, uh, Brock, uh, uh Anderson, no doubt going to be really, really good. You just got to stay healthy and sane and, uh, keep working hard to, to improve. You got, you got Arn here and, and flying Brian and, and, and roll it forward. You know, all these years later, you, you have, you have Brock and, and flying Brian jr. Doing their thing. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Isn't that cool? Yeah, absolutely. Watch this. And I thought that, uh, a lot well, all those younger guys like Brian jr. And Brock Anderson realize the opportunity they are, they had on Sunday night in Nashville and they took advantage of it, which I was really proud to see all under the Jim Crockett promotions umbrella, which is, uh, which is amazing when you think about that, especially if you're a fan of the nostalgia, which is what we're really all about here. As we look back on a lot of these old school, classic matches, actually, it's been a pretty solid match. Actually, it has been, they haven't uh, gone down into abyss uh they haven't uh languished they told a pretty decent story they're trying to make tags they're trying to do logical things and there's a quick tag larry tried to larry was there in the right spot at the right time your buddy larry zabisco oh, he's yeah. in all oh, the savat kick oh yeah he's, he's got his he's got his routine down <laughs> larry larry's funny larry's he's very intelligent Crazy, a little eccentric. Gotta love him. When's the last time you talked to Larry? Long time. I don't know. Okay. Too long. And no particular reason. Just, just yeah. That's the that's yeah. the nature of the wrestling business. Unless you go to an event like Rick's uh and uh over the weekend, you don't run each other as often. Now, as I mentioned earlier, the these uh appearances are becoming as are coming very lucrative. I mentioned I'm going to be at the New Jersey State Fair this Sunday afternoon, uh, and which I'm looking forward to. But it's a, uh, it's just a, we don't we're not we don't cross paths as much, and you know it's just the opportunity there to renew and and maintain uh, your relationships doesn't exist as much as it used to, unless you go to one of those autograph shots, and then then uh, all bets are off because then it's just like uh, a you know, class reunion. 
And that's the one thing I noticed, JR, is all the wrestlers, maybe when they have a little downtime, they all can't wait to connect with each other this past weekend. They're all going over and hugging and going and visiting each other and reconnecting. That's, that's using good. that opportunity. So that was really cool, too. You saw yep. Paige and Lita. And and because Paige was there and she was connecting with, uh, you know, Lita and and, and Tennille Dashwood, who was Emma and all of them just kind of visiting with one another. And it was just cool to see that. And somebody said Paige looked really good, too. Like I say, she was ready to go. She she looked great. She had a great panel discussion as well, said, I'm not ready to sign anywhere right now. Wrestling. She's diving into some other things in life. It's great to be a free agent. Um, but she did say she had a soundbite where she did say that it would be cool at some point to uh, eventually step in the ring with the doctor, the DMD, Britt Baker. Absolutely. Oh, man, that it's would a be no awesome. brainer. Yeah. It's a no brainer, man. Uh, that, that would be a match that I would pay to see. And we hope so. I mean, they've come a long way with what they can do in the medical world. So we really hope that it can work with her and, and her neck. And man, how, how fun would that be? Yeah, you just got to be smart and work around it if, it's, if, if that is an option. If there's no option, then there's no option. You just forget it and move on. But if, if it can be worked around intelligently and strategically, uh, I'd love to see that matchup. Without a doubt. And there's a lot more, a lot of other dream matches that could happen as well. They're continuing to work on Zabisco's arm. Uh, it, they are really cranking on it. And this is how you're going to end up seeing this match. They're telling a story. Yeah. And Larry's right-handed. So they're working on his left arm. Makes sense. The dominant arm is the right arm. So. They selected the left arm to focus on, and it's a pretty smart strategy. By the way, the off-the-top rule was waived for this in this particular match. That was a rule back in these days that you couldn't come off the top rule. Uh, so, but that's waived. They're allowed to do that. And uh, Bobby, and they continue to work on him with this cross arm bar. And uh, it's got to be coming to an end here, Jr. There's only a few minutes left in the show. And we still got uh, one more interview. Arn coming in on the hot tag. Again, cutting that ring off, as you said, back to the arm with the boot and cranking it up once again. Good wide base, good fundamental soundness. Look at him drag him over. Referee in perfect position to see if there was a tag or not. Fireman carry, old school. Nice takedown. Works just about every time. I'm surprised Larry didn't uh, get in the ropes and get the, the cheap break, but he didn't. There's the ref making the count. He's in the ropes. Pillman comes in, gets away. They're double team. Larry's trying to fight his way out of it. But to your point, that was smart. Keep that right hand up, you know, using that right hand. Hey, Bobby, staying right on the arm. Right. They're continuing to tell the story that they established several minutes ago. They're connecting their dots. This is Anderson. This is this is old school Anderson wrestling, man. Yeah, that's Arn. That, excuse me. That's uh, uh, Gene and Gene Oli. and Oli. Yeah. Just 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 go ahead and make that one body part inoperable. They can't use it. Old school wrestling. Love it. Look at Larry. Larry's gonna get scientific all of a sudden. Bob Eaton is in on the tag and again, locking him up, reverse headlock, got him in the ropes, refs on top of it, making the count. And we forget Paul Heyman's at ringside. Arguably the, the is Paul Heyman, the best manager ever. Many would say, absolutely. Definitely has to be one of the best mouthpieces ever. You know, everyone call him ad Cornette's right there in that conversation, uh, without a doubt. 
So listen, we come back from commercial break, JR, and guess what? This match is over. That's how it worked. Let's let's listen in. Number on Larry the Crutcher Zabisco. It looks as if Zabisco has suffered a broken arm. Uh, as we said before we went to the, the, the commercial break, fans, that we would keep the cameras running. Our tape machines are, have documented what has happened during our timeout. Let's go now back and show you what has happened just a few moments ago right here at center stage. Anderson and Eaton continue to work on the arm. Zabisco's arm very, very weakened. More arm bar takedowns. And then the tag was made. Remember, the off the top rope rule had been waived. And this was the move that apparently has broken the arm of Larry the Cruncher Zabisco. Zabisco couldn't take any more punishment. The referee has stopped it here. Ladies and gentlemen, here are your winners on Anderson and Beautiful Bobby. Nadia Bruno did that, Jimmy. Well, obviously, Anderson and Eaton dead serious about I'll the I'll never wear that tie program. again. Not That's an Auburn tie. Oh, yeah. You're, we're rocking the Auburn colors. But I tell you what, I love the authenticity and realism of how that all ended. I mean, he was screaming for his life. Yeah, good. Here we go. Champion, Big Van Vader. I told the world, and I'm telling you again, I'm telling you, Bill Watts, no. there was high, no. way, Rob Ray. It's like going into New York City, expecting to play the Yankees, and then the Dodgers show up. There's something crazy about no. all of this. No, it's no, Vader's making no excuses, Ron Simmons. You are the heavyweight world champion, but Vader, he fears no man and he feels no pain. Ron Simmons, you were an All-American. Vader was an All-American. You started this war and now Vader is going to end it, brother. I'm coming after you. I want it back. I want it back around my waist. Come and get me, Ron. I'm standing right here. Let me tell you something yes. else, Simmons. You started this war, and this man yeah. right here is going to end it. We're not going to stop it short. It's over. Like they did it it isn't over. War. It this isn't over. Some very strong comments from Big Van Vader. But remember, ladies and gentlemen, the rematch has already been signed with Vader and Ron Simmons. And as we leave you here today, let's take another look back. This past Sunday in Baltimore, the biggest night in Ron Simmons' career. Simple, huh? Watch this. So simple. The boom. And Vader beat him up. He got, up, he got to his feet quickly. Think of that though, JR. You mentioned it. He beat, he beat. Vader popped up faster than Ron did, and Ron won the belt. That bother me. I just said don't be care. a prick. No, I know, but I, that is something to think about. Well, it is if you think it means something. I don't really think it means anything. He beat him for the three seconds, but then that's about all he got. It puts the it puts the heel over a little bit more, I think. Uh, that you know, Ron still won. So it's a interesting show. That's a show to follow up uh, that we were going to follow up with uh, uh, the Baltimore event, Ron winning and all that good stuff. So interesting show, to say the least. A lot of formulaic matches, a lot of just advanced yeah. preliminary matches. Uh, you know, the Tracy Smothers match with the uh, big uh, with the uh, Van Hammer, name? Van Hammer. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes. 
uh, was way too long. Yeah. Uh, Dustin and, uh, whoever he worked with way too short. Yep. So, you know, you can always go back 30 years ago. Yeah. So here we are critiquing shit that happened 30 years ago. Mark Canterbury was who Dustin worked with. Yeah. But, but you know what? Listen, the two biggest angles, we could have really just talked about the two biggest angles of the show. We could have. It, it was Jake the Snake Roberts. Yeah. And his big debut and how that was reviewed and, and, and all him coming out and his contract and all. And then the other was Ron Simmons winning the, the WCW. This is the big 30 year anniversary for that. And it is iconic. It is epic. It's huge. It's something we'll never forget. WCW champion for Ron Simmons. And uh, what a moment. So JR, thanks for, uh, for taking the time to, to watch this together. And, and it was you, man, you dominated the call of all of this action. Yeah, so I, was, I, can't, I couldn't remember if I worked with somebody on that show or by our singular. And obviously we found out I was playing solo on that one. So yeah. hopefully it wasn't too much JR. No, I, I don't think so, buddy. The energy that you brought, you heard the clip. That's what we love. That's what we want. That's all. That's the JR that we're, uh, we're here for. And man, that's, uh, the JR the, that, that gave you the moniker voice of wrestling and uh, this show closed out with, uh, again, that feel-good moment of Ron Simmons. I want to wrap it up with The Observer. They said the show should also look good on television since there were nearly 8,000 fans in the building with big crowd reaction for the two major angles. We just saw it with the Ron Simmons right. uh, win. Yeah. They had a promotion where they, left two, they let two kids in free with each paying adult. So the actual paid was under 4,000 and yeah. the house was close to 35,000. I'm glad they brought that up. Yeah. Thanks Dave. Regardless, yeah. it looked awesome. And thanks for pissing in my Cheerios cool. again. It made breakfast <laughs> taste really good. Uh, uh, but what a moment. And uh, JR man, speaking of moments, we're going to talk a little bit next week about some smoky mountain wrestling and okay. uh, a classic episode of that. The night of the legends, brother. And, uh, well, that was a good show. Yeah. You know, as crazy as Cornette can be sometimes with his irreverent remarks, uh, nobody can ever deny the fact he's not a brilliant son of a bitch. He's crazy. We all are. So when the Cornette's uh, stooges get feedback, well, JR said, you're crazy. Also don't forget to tell him. I said, I was crazy too. How can he be in wrestling minutes this long and not be a little bit insane? Right. I, I believe it to be impossible, but nonetheless, uh, Cornette booked a hell of a show. It's one of the best books, big shows, uh, I got to work on to that, to that point. And, uh, it was just, uh, one of those hometown promotions. Knoxville was hot. It was a good show to, it's a fun show to call. I think if this is not the one I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I believe I worked with Les Thatcher on the show. I have, I have some highlights here for you that I'm going to run through. Cause I want our audience to know what they can expect. It's your return to announcing and your debut for Smoky mountain after you're okay. let go by WWF, but you got Bob Wharton jr. And Dick Slater. They take on the Mongolian stomper and Ronnie Garvin in the legends match. You have the gangsters. They're there cutting promos. You got a grudge match between the heavenly bodies. Yes. My guy, Dr. Tom Pritchard and Jimmy Del Rey. They're going to take on the thrill seekers who you know very well, Chris Jericho and Lance Storm. All right. You got the Rock and Roll Express taking on primetime Brian Lee and Chris Candido with Sonny, Tammy, uh, Tammy Fitch. And then the return grudge match, hair versus hair. Man, it's all kinds of classic wrestling and classic JR. So I can't wait, buddy. Yes, it was a fun show to broadcast. And I had taken a little sabbatical. Uh, getting back in the game was kind of cool. And, uh, you know, anytime you're doing one of Cornette shows that you don't have to book or be involved in creative because he's got, here's the thing. He knows what he wants and that's good enough. That's good enough for me. If Cornette booked it. I'm going to call it and I don't have any, take any exception to that. Yep. 
you know, he, and he doesn't, I know he's not a fan of AEW, which I, I was, I'm sorry to say that, but it's, I, it's the way it is with him. But what's that mean? I mean, it's one guy doesn't like it and he's got the right to his opinion and he's it's got an educated right. opinion. It's not his taste. Yep. No, it's not his taste. So, it is uh, what it is. Any, in any event, yes, but it's, it'll be a fun show to do. And you're going to see some really good wrestling, great execution. And, uh, again, Cornette was kind of played the role of Conrad Thompson back then. He was a one man band. Yeah. He, he, he did everything there was the selling advertising, putting out cards, actually promoting it like you're supposed to promote it. So, uh, we'll, we'll talk a lot about that, but this is a good card and, and, uh, very well booked. And, and, uh, I think fans are going to enjoy it. You're going to see some guys that you say, I didn't know that guy was that good. Yeah. Well, there was a lot of good ones back in those days, a lot of talent. And some of them didn't get the chance to, to display it as much as they probably deserved. Well, and none of that, we're going to touch on how it even happened for you to be down there. And what was it like working for Jim Cornette? So definitely tune in for that. Jr. before we get out of here, two quick reminders. Number one, adfreeshows.com. Early, ad-free, video, not only that, bonus content. You get Mike Kyoto, you get Dr. Tom Pritchard, who I mentioned, his show, The Monday Mailbag. So much other contact. Rebel, you know, DMD Psychic, she has a show on there that you can check out every other week. So much bonus material. Kevin Nash is a part of the group. Mick Foley's a part of the group. Continues to grow. And uh, JR does bonus shows over there all the time, every single month. So check it out, adfreeshows.com. Uh, but I want to talk about JR's BBQ.com, JR. I think you should. I think I should because that's where it's at, brother. That's where it's at. Well, it is grilling season uh, every every in my world every day. Uh, when I can grill, I grill. Uh, I'm getting ready to make a trip back to Oklahoma soon, so that'll be nonstop grilling on my outdoor kitchen. Uh, so, but we're business has been really good. I mean, we're out of we're out of for a few weeks there. Of uh, could keep up the demand for the damn mustard. So, uh, but business has been really good. I really am grateful. JR's BBQ.com. Uh, we always have specials. You go on, just you follow us on Twitter and, and see, cause that's where you'll see a lot of those offers come through the Twitter platform. And, uh, we're always trying to make good deals and we pride ourselves on our customer service, but we make a damn good product. You know, mama and Jan didn't do make any junk. So it's good stuff. And, and I'm uh, very happy to have my name associated with it and, and hope the folks of this give us a shot. Try it one time. It's not a vanity project. It's not like a gimmick no. deal where it's got some, some, uh, ego, some guy with a megalomaniac personality that got his picture on a bottle. It's a, it's good product. And, uh, I stake my reputation on it. So give it a shot. JRSBBQ.com. Great gifts. Great for the, for the patio. Great for the grill. Uh, so give us a shot, and I think you won't be disappointed. You will be. You try it once, you will be a return customer. I guarantee it. Without yeah, I think a doubt. so. Thank you. There you go. JRSBBQ.com. Listen, JR, this was uh, great getting back. I, uh, uh, I'm i ready for uh, a great night's sleep tonight, buddy. That's all I, I can say. You and me both. I'm sure you got a long week ahead of you. Yep. And, uh, man, but what a great time to be a wrestling fan. We're going to come back next week, and we're going to talk about some Smoky Mountain wrestling, more classic times. Uh, but on behalf, Is that going to be a watch-along? Uh, I believe it. I don't know if that it will. It's it's not called a watch-along as it far as I be. know right now, but uh, we'll figure that out, and, and we'll see. It could uh, be. And, I hope uh, it, if, it, if we can make it a watch-along, that'd be cool. Okay. Because I think fans need to see this big house. Uh, they need to see these talents that they maybe heard casually about somewhere down the road. 
and see them in their, some of their finest hours, uh, there in Knoxville for, for corny and, uh, and smoky mountain, a great show. I, I was really tickled to be a part of it. There you go. Well, listen, uh, this has been a fun, fun little, uh, review of WCW. We got Ron Simmons winning the belt. Jake, the snake comes in all told by the voice of wrestling, Jim Ross on behalf of Jr. This is Paul Bromwell. We'll see you right here next week again on grilling Jr. And I'll see you Friday night on rampage on TNT. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round together. It's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.